Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. So this passage that we are in, it takes place, if you remember, it takes place during the Passover festival in Jerusalem. Uh, which brought this huge influx of people into the town, into that city, during uh, that week-long celebration of Passover. So this is the temple area that this is happening in. It is during the week of Passover. Usually Jerusalem has about 40,000 people in the city, and during this week there's upwards of over 2 million people from all over the world that gather into Jerusalem for Passover. And all the Jews from over the world would come to the temple, and they'd arrive with their gifts. They would arrive with their monies that they had saved over that year, and that was required of them. And this required amount that they were supposed to give was called the temple tithe, or the temple tax. It would be where they would take 10% of their income, it was called their first fruits, and they would give it to the temple to then continue the continuation of the practices of the priesthood and to help people reposition their hearts back to the Lord. Because when we believe that all we have and all we make is ours to spend and to do with, money can easily become its own sort of idol in our lives. God knows how quickly we turn our attention from and our praise from and our admiration from God and we place it upon money. That we place that, that, that desire of financial status and meaning and hopes away from God and we place it on these other places. And God knows how destructive this is to our own souls and to those in need around us. The tithe was its own sort of safety net where your heart could shift back towards the purposes of God that went beyond you and went beyond yours. It allowed the person to hold loosely to the things of this world and grasp more tightly to the things unseen because your income level or your economic status or your desire to hoard and to keep and to save for yourself or for your own family was not the first priority any longer. God and God's ways would become that first priority. And so what we see in this passage is we see Jesus using the example of the scribes or, the, or the, these teachers of the law. We looked at them a little bit last week. He used them as an example against a woman who was a poor widow. And widows oftentimes were in a place of vulnerability in society. They were the overlooked, they were the uncared for. If they didn't have a male heir or a male son to continue on the family line, they were oftentimes neglected. And so for this woman to put everything she had into this offering box would have meant quite a lot to Jesus and to, to her as well. But for those who are on the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like much to really write home about. I've heard passages preached about the poor widow before and, and how oftentimes the preacher will juxtapose the widow and the scribes by dramatizing her life and behavior with their life and their behavior. And we get the picture of the scribes just from the passage we read that they had these long robes. They had 
fanfare around them. They were a type of people that were actually, they, they were self-promoted. They didn't come from the line of Levi or from the priestly lineage. They just had enough education and had enough wealth and had enough of that sort of prestige to put themselves in their own place. And over time, people saw them as a sort of authority figure in their lives. But we get the picture of these scribes with their long robes. And, and coming in, maybe they haven't been around for a while. Maybe they've, they've traveled into this area of Jerusalem like everybody else. And they have their yearly tithes to get give. And I always get like pictures of, this, of these men with, with pockets full of jewels and, and coins overflowing in gold. And they're just like coming up and they're like unloading and into the, the offering plate or offering box with lots of noise and fanfare and oohs and ahs of people all around them. And I get the feeling like they're the kinds of people who want to give so that way they can get a brick with their name on it to put in the courtyard. Or to put a little plaque by the stained glass window that says, this is who I am and this is how I gave to this place. And then I've heard the preachers talk about the poor widow hiding in the shadows and uncertain of when to come out and how to give those last two dollars. It says in the Bible, two pennies, but I'm sure with inflation, we're looking at two bucks at least. I mean, I'm guessing she could get a small meal from McDonald's with it. But I I, I see her and her people have seen her as like seeing this opening finally in the crowd. And she sneaks really quietly and carefully towards this, this container, towards this box. And she quickly and embarrassingly drops those measly, shame filled last two dollars in and kind of scurries away drawing no attention to herself. I don't know if that is what happened. It does not say that. And I don't think that was the case. I think there are varying levels of meaning in this passage for our lives. And the first, I think, and the most important in many ways, most often in many ways, is is that, is that the wealthy tend to get wealthier and the poor tend to get taken advantage of and exploited more and more. The temple was based on the tabernacle system. The tabernacle was something instituted by God where it was this tent-like church that people would set up and God's presence would be housed there and then they would tear it down when they moved from one place to the other, uh, specifically in the 40 years of wandering the desert with the Israelites out of coming out of Egypt, which is interesting during the time of Passover anyway. The temple system was instated by God as a tabernacle, but then Solomon wanted to create, David wanted to create, and then his son Solomon wanted to create a house worthy of the Lord, full of glory, full of majesty, full of gold and wealth and and all the things that we would think would be worthy of God, but yet we don't see that place housing Jesus very often, except in some sort of critical way. And so this this temple, this tabernacle, was meant to be a place that constantly reminded God's people that they were equipped and called and blessed by God to bless others who are in hard situations around them. God didn't want the people's money because God needs it. God wants our hearts. God wants our minds and our souls and our strength because God has created us to love our neighbors as ourselves to care for the impoverished peoples, to fight for against injustice and to advocate for the voiceless and the disadvantaged. 
The system that Jesus critiqued was one that actually began to celebrate the wealthy and all they gave to it to continually benefit themselves, while the poor continued to be ignored or considered a nuisance. But I think there's a deeper message that Jesus is getting at through this poor widow and her giving. It's not about the amount that she gave at that time or what she'd even given over the course of her life. We're just showing up into her story. She may have 60 years underneath her of giving to the temple. This is not the first time she's given, I'm sure of that. The Greek translation in our Bible here misses the weightiness of this example of this woman. It says here in verse 44, it says that they they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything, all she had to live on. That, That phrase, all she had to live on, is mistranslated. What it should say is her whole life. This is not a message about giving or about stewardship or about tithing. This is a message on discipleship. This is a passage where Jesus invites us to give our entire selves to God. Not just a portion, not just 10%. And I don't think this poor widow stayed in the shadows or shamefully crawled to the offering box embarrassed by her measly amount that she had left to give. I think this poor widow came wide open with her whole self because in her humble faithfulness she was confident in God's approval of her regardless of how much income she had in her bank account I think God I think Jesus is revealing a heart posture not a wealth problem I think the wealth problem comes from the wrong heart posture and Jesus is always transforming our hearts towards the posture of God But God is not wanting her two dollars. God was wanting her whole heart. And oftentimes our hearts and our wealth or our influence or our desire for people's approval are intimately connected. But God believes something different about you. God desires a different way for you to live where you're not tied to or bound by your wealth or your influence or obsessed about the approval of others like these scribes who said their lengthy prayers and put their money in so everybody could see them. God desires your freedom. God desires an abundant life for you, not based on your friend requests or your 401k or your next raise. What God wants for you is complete confidence in God. And this poor widow was completely dependent on and confident in God, and this determined how she lived her life. Some scholars say how this story is a foreshadow of Christ's greatest example of humble faithfulness, because just three days after this poor widow gave her whole life to God, Jesus gave his whole life on the cross. Jesus lived his life in complete confidence in his Father for everything, all the way to death on the cross. We don't know what our future is full. We don't know if we'll have enough for tomorrow or if our friends will abandon us or if the stock market crashes or who the next president will be. But we do have God's continual love and approval for us regardless of our future. And when we sink into this reality and give our whole selves to the Father's love, this 
complete confidence in God, what we discover is a, is a deep con contentment and a deep freedom that takes place in our lives. I'm going to end on a passage in Philippians. If you want to turn with me to the book of Philippians, it is uh, one of Paul's letters to the church in Philippi, or you can listen as I read it, of course, as well. Philippians chapter 4, we'll read verses 11 to 13, and then we'll go into our time of communion this morning. So Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Jesus, we thank you for the contentment you give to yourself. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you for the opportunity to give our whole selves to you and within that space step into that full abundance of your love and grace in our lives. We pray a blessing over this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.